Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Hey guys, I am so glad that you are here with us. My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. Hope you enjoyed the time of worship. Let's get into what we're talking about today. We are in week two of a series called Neighborliness. And what we're doing as a church is exploring this topic so that we can learn how to see the beauty that God has intended for us by learning to reach across dividing lines. Because man, if we're honest about things and about our world today, we are divided in every which way and we're never gonna know fully what God has for us until we learn to be curious, till we learn to lean in, till we learn to step into the discomfort and step across those dividing lines. So uh, that's really important. Last week we talked about in our message that set up this whole conversation, Jesus gave us Uh, the greatest commandment. In fact, he said there are two that are the greatest because one happens and the other one happens naturally as a result of the first one. And that was to love God with all of us, right? All of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our strength, to love God completely. And he said the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. And we went, dove into that and said, well, what exactly does that mean? Who is our neighbor? And we said, you know, our neighbor is not somebody who's sitting next to us or near us or lives by us. It's neighbor means anybody made in the image of God. That's what that term that Jesus used meant. It was a very broad thing. It means all of humanity. And if we have a call to love God with all of ourselves and to love our neighbor, all of humanity, as ourselves, as in the same way we love ourselves, that means that dividing lines shouldn't exist. We have to, as a church, learn to cross them or we're never going to be able to fulfill the greatest commandment. We're never gonna be able to love other people as God loves them and as we love ourselves if we don't do it. So we explored the things that keep us from doing that, things like uh, inattentional uh, Blindness and implicit biases, that, that things that we, were, we picked up and learned along the way that reinforced those dividing lines. And, and we just decided as a church, like, hey, we're going to step across these things. Now, listen, let me be clear that I understand this is a tough message, that I understand attacking this, like, man, this, this is really difficult. But I'm asking you as a church to lean into this topic, that, that one of the greatest things we can do is stretch across these dividing lines and learn how to do it, to learn to love how God wants us to love and how we would love ourselves. To love our fellow man is so, so important. And I'm asking you to lean into the discomfort. Man, it, is, it has been a very heavy thing that is on my heart. And I'm, I am walking through this just as clumsily as you'll walk through it. But I believe that if you're willing to go on this journey with me, I believe that as we walk through it in humility, God is going to change our hearts. And I believe that the subject of neighborliness is the next revolution that the church is going to experience. So I'm inviting you to that journey as we step into what we're going to talk about this week. Now, To set up the subject for today, I'm going to ask a powerful question that was actually asked by author and speaker Bob Goff. He's written some fantastic books called Love Does and Everybody Always that I really highly recommend. Uh, But uh, Bob asked this question. He said, how is your faith working for everyone around you? Now, 
what he means is, is like, okay, so if you love God and you say you're loving everyone as you love yourselves, how is that actually playing out for people around you? Not like, how's your faith going for you, but how is it going for people in your neighborhood? How is your personal alignment with God and his priorities playing out for your family members or for your coworkers? What would they say their experience of your faith would be? How's it going for them? Does your alignment with God and, and loving him and loving others reflect in the way that you treat other people? Would it feel like love to them? That's a really, really powerful question. And today we're going to look at Isaiah and, uh, for our text today because Isaiah asks a very similar question. In fact, he confronts a group of people who believe that their faith is playing out well, and he confronts them with the truth that really it's not. Really, they were, they were lending themselves uh, to external forms of worship, and God wasn't about what, what they were doing on the outside. He was never about their acts of fasting. He was never about their songs that they would sing. He really wanted their hearts, and Isaiah steps into uh, this space, and he, he puts his finger on it and asks this kind of a question and confronts him with it. Now, Isaiah, just for some context, he is a prophet, and a prophet was not a fun job to have uh, in this time. In fact, we see prophets all throughout the Old Testament. They were people that God would call, and he put his hand on their life, and he would send them with an uncomfortable message, a challenge for people's hearts who had been hardened against God's desire for, uh, to, uh, for how their faith should play out. And so, uh, here he goes, he steps into this scene, and Isaiah's actually confronting the, the very people that he's talking to is a group of business people. They were influencers in their time, they were wealthy, and they were having a big public uh, love fest to God, and they were gathering together to worship, they were singing songs, they were fasting, and Isaiah steps in and says, hey, the way your faith is playing out is, is actually not impacting your community in the way that God has designed for you to. You're actually deepening the dividing lines, and it's not a popular message. Like, could you imagine being sent to do that? Like, God saying, hey, go to them and tell them, hey, all this is really nice, but this is not really what I desire from you. Like, I, I just personally would not want to be that. I feel like that would be so uncomfortable. And yet, here I am, calling us as a church, calling us as a people, that there is more, and if we're to love people the way God loves them, we've got to learn to step across these lines. So look, here's what happens. Isaiah does not step into the scene and insult their music or their singing. What he does is he actually references and says to them, like, this worship is not what God wants. It's not what he desires. And worship, by the way, is how we express love to God. Worship is, is about us aligning all of our priorities with God's priorities. It's like speaking to him in his love language, the way that he wants to receive love and see that love play out. And so he asked, Isaiah steps onto the scene and he speaks to how their faith is working out for everyone else. Check it out. This is what it says in Isaiah 58 verse 2. He's talking to them. He says, about them rather, he says, they come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act, and Isaiah is speaking on behalf of God. So he's saying these people, they come to the temple and they seem, they're acting like, like they're all excited to learn about God. They act like a religious nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on, the, on their behalf, pretending 
They want to be near me. This is, this is God calling out saying, hey, you've got a desire for my hand, but not my face. In other words, they want what God could do for them, but they didn't want the, the closeness. They didn't want the intimacy of the relationship with God the way that God desired to have it with them because he wanted their hearts, not their, not their external worship, not what they could do for him. He wanted them. And so he's stepping in and saying, you're just acting. It's all external. Your worship, I haven't actually gotten to your hearts. And God isn't about it because he's saying all of this is a show. You're doing this for a show. He goes on to say, this is the people's responses. And God is quoting what they've said to him. We've fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We've been hard on ourselves and you didn't even notice it. Somebody better call the ambulance for these guys because they are crying and they are whining. When you're confronted with something that goes against what you desire, when you're confronted with something that goes against your preferences, what do we do? We complain, we whine, we BCD, blame, complain, defend. We're like, but, but we fasted. We've been hard on ourselves. We did this. It's about, it's about look at us and look at what I did. And in this whining, God says, this is not what I'm after. But they're like, but you didn't even notice it. Look, we did all of this stuff. And God says, I, I don't want it. I'm not about it. When we worship God, we need to learn to worship him, express our love to him the way that he desires. It's his way or the highway. He says, I'll tell you why. God's like, I'll tell you why I didn't acknowledge it. You want to know why I didn't even give you any points? I didn't even give you participation points. I gave you nothing. No points were awarded to your house. I didn't acknowledge it. And here's why. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. You're doing this for the public acknowledgement. You're doing this, he's letting them know, you're doing this so that people see you doing it, so that you appear holy, so that you appear to have it all together. You're act, this is more religion than it is God having their hearts. And he says, I'm not for it. He says, even while you fast, so you're doing something religious, you keep oppressing your workers. Now, the reason it says you keep oppressing your workers because this would not have been the first time that God would have spoken to them about the, the unhealthy working conditions that they were leaving people in. In fact, you'll notice that, that these business leaders were here. When you read the text, the business leaders were here, but their workers were left behind. So these wealthy businessmen and women could afford to take time off. They could afford to spend the money to gather. And then, of course, now they're fasting and they're looking for public accolades, but they've left a people behind. They were oppressing their workers. And all throughout Scripture, God wants justice. God wants oppression to end. In fact, God has outlined how employers are to treat their workers and how, how they were to treat each other. But they were ignoring this and hoping to get accolades for the, the public spectacles that they were doing, the songs they would sing, the fasting that they would do. And so coming in and asking the question of how is your faith working for someone else? Well, it wasn't working well for those around them. They were oppressing people. The working conditions were bad. And here's the thing. God is a God of inclusion. He wanted all of them to be included. He desired more for all people. And the message of neighborliness focuses on love for God that leads us to love others. Others who are not like us. Others, others who look like us and others who don't. And our point for today is that God is not satisfied with our worship as we express our love to God that does not include an ethic that leads you to love neighbors across dividing lines. Isaiah goes on. He says, no, this, kind of, this is the kind of fasting I want. 
This is God's response to them. This is what I want. He says, free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. This is God's call and was always his call for how they would treat people. God is a God of justice. And when we bring this into today's context, this is what I believe God is calling us to more than ever, specifically in this season and always will be, for us to step into a space that is uncomfortable, that we need to begin to address systemic injustices. Because in this situation, there was a, a system of economic uh, setup that was all set up that was unjust to the people. And what was happening was these people were, were in these conditions because the greed of the human heart demanded it. It demanded that these people continue to work and not go and worship God like they did. It demanded that they have heavier burdens. It demanded that they be in chains and be oppressed. And we have to learn to stop worshiping this way, to let our worship be expressed by loving the people that God loves, to free them, to lighten their burdens, fight oppression, remove chains. This is God's love language. This is what he desires for us. We look at our world today, man, we can see these kind of things existing. The, the burdens that need to be lightened, the impressions, oppressions that need to be fought, and the chains that need to be removed. Look at our, our criminal system today. Our criminal system is broken in that non-whites get longer sentences than white people do for the same exact crime. Law enforcement targets non-white communities harsher than they do white communities. Perfect example of this is you can look back on our history and see it was the example of crack and cocaine. They're literally the same drug except crack is a smokable version and it's cheaper. And our government decided to, to uh, target communities that were using crack and go lighter on those that were using the powder form of the drug known as cocaine, which was in predominantly affluent white neighborhoods. In fact, smaller doses of crack got harsher penalties than larger quantities of cocaine did. It's, in, it's, it's an injustice. It's not okay. And people are being oppressed as a result of it. Our court systems are so broken that those with money get off for the same offenses that those without cannot. Mentally, physically, we are, people are under an oppression. In fact, it, 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 here's the thing. In this day and age, I've had so many conversations with people that, that mentally they feel oppressed as well in such a way that, that until this season happened and their voices started being able to rise above the noise, they felt like their lives didn't matter. They felt like because their skin color was not white, that they were evil, that they were bad, that they were of no worth. Our system is broken. People are oppressed and unjustly targeted, bound by chains for too long without hope of reprieve, physically, economically, mentally, and spiritually. Now, if you don't want to hear that, can I challenge you? This is the moment I'm asking you to lean in. Why don't you want to hear that? Why is that hard for you? Ask yourself why. Because God cares deeply about justice. In fact, the gospel message is a message of justice. So our message that we preach as a church 
must include removing chains. It must include setting captives free and lightening burdens, especially if we are a person of wealth and influence and with businessmen and women in our community, government leaders. This is what God is calling us to to address systemic racism, to address economic injustices that exist, to break the chains that exist in people's lives because Jesus went to the cross and broke the chains on our lives. How can we stand by while people are wrongly imprisoned and enslaved? Mother Teresa said this, the greatest ill in the world around us is that we have forgotten that we belong to each other. And if the greatest command is to love God and to love others as self, then, then we have to look at ourselves and say, we wouldn't want to be oppressed. We wouldn't want chains. We wouldn't want to live under injustice after injustice. We wouldn't want to be held back. And if that's the case for us, our own desire for ourselves, we would love ourselves in that way. We must love others that way, which means we cannot stand by any longer. We must stand for others. And Isaiah gives this picture. But he keeps going and he gets really super practical. And these are things that I'm sure you agree with. Share your food with the hungry. Don't just give them groceries. Share your food with the hungry. Like bring them into your house. Give them meals. But, but share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. We're all about that. This next one though is super practical but it might be a little hard. And don't hide from relatives who need your help. Come on, you guys, you know who I'm talking about. Every one of you have got a crazy cousin who keeps calling you because they need something and you've been, you've been denying their phone calls and not calling them back. Like, like we gotta step into this space, all right? But we don't have, typically have an issue with these. We're like, yep, that's right, let's do that. It's the social injustices that we pull away from because they scare us. We, we have timidity and fear around these issues. We're like, I don't know if I can step into that space. But we need to. The gospel compels us to care deeply. And the heart of neighborliness, reaching across those dividing lines to discover the beauty of God, means that we will act. You know, these conditions of people being hungry and homeless and needing clothes, these, these conditions oftentimes exist in our community on a generational basis. Call it generational poverty. It's a cycle that people get stuck in. In fact, they say that a child born today has a 4% chance of breaking out of the cycle of poverty where they will never break out of a season where they won't need help like this. Isn't that crazy? Let me say it this way. That a child born into poverty has a 96% chance of never reaching higher levels of uh, economic income. That 96% chance of never reaching that. This shouldn't be okay with us. Because every person is God's child and every person should be freed from the chains of bondage. The church, in my opinion, has been silent for too long. I've been silent for too long. I've missed the mark for too long. We've sat by and been party to these injustices playing out for too long. Will we follow the greatest commandment to love God with all of ourselves and love others as ourselves? Bob asked, how's your faith working out for everyone around you? And I'm asking you that. I mean, for everyone. Not people of the same economic background as you, but the poverty-stricken. For, for the child that depends on the schools for food over the summertime. Do you know that here in our community, in Reynoldsburg, that more than 50% of the kids that go to our schools are on free or reduced lunches? 
They're, they're part of a program. That means that that poverty level is high here in our community. How is your faith working for your neighbors here in Reynoldsburg? This is a personal call to action, and this is a question that we must ask ourselves and grapple with. And then we've got to answer this one too. Is God biased towards the poor? And I'll answer that for you. I believe that God advocates for the poor all throughout Scripture. Not just the poor economically, but the poor spiritually, the poor relationally, the poor mentally. All economic backgrounds, God is an advocate for them. He, he is not biased. Are you? Here in our city, we, we, we have a divide that exists Reynoldsburg is, is divided when you talk to, to the leaders of our community, when you talk to people, they, they have this divide in their mind. They talk about Reynoldsburg versus like the East versus the West, the, the, the new school, the old school, the haves and the have-nots, and they, they have a dividing line in our city. And, and, and we have to ask this question, does God love the East more than he loves the West? For those of you that would identify those, those lines here. Does God love the new school versus the old school, the kids that attend, the, ha- the haves and the haves nots? No, he loves us all equally. He is not biased, and we should not be okay with this divide of the east versus the west. We should not be okay with it existing. And while God isn't biased, he certainly isn't neutral. Ronald Sider, author of Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger, says this, God is not neutral means he's not standing by. His freedom from bias does not mean that he maintains neutrality in the struggle for justice. God loves everyone, and he fiercely advocates for the oppressed. He's directly against, all throughout Scripture, directly against those who are the oppressors. And he loves them in this situation, in this context of the verses we've been looking at, but he's also calling them out. He's calling out those business leaders, those influencers, the wealthy. He's saying, you have a role to play here. To not allow this to continue. You can't ignore it anymore. Those are the two options. You either engage or you ignore. And I'm calling us today as a church, as uncomfortable as this message might be, and telling you that we've overlooked oppression. We've overlooked poverty. We've overlooked, (coughs) excuse me, systemic injustices for too long. We've been party to it through our own greed. I'm telling you that as a church, we've been more focused on beautiful buildings, nice programming for our kids. We've been more focused on getting into nicer neighborhoods instead of being focused on, on, on uh, the, the injustices, fighting injustices, fighting oppression, setting our brothers and sisters free. Listen, God is not biased, but he's not neutral, and we cannot be either. We must, must get our hearts right on this subject. And now watch what happens when I, I, we go back to Isaiah, and watch what he says will happen if they'll receive this correction, because there is an if, there is a blessing. God adds his power to it if we'll lean into the message, is what Isaiah is going to tell him, and that's what I'm telling you today as a church. If we'll lean into this God will begin to add his power and strength and wisdom to what we're doing here as we fight injustices. If we choose to receive correction, watch, he says, then 
So when you see a then in scripture, there's an if somewhere, if then statements. If you'll do this, then this will happen. If we'll lean into this, then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Listen, we know that salvation comes through Jesus. But if we want our hearts and our lands healed, so the dividing lines no longer exist, we're going to have to choose to do things God's way. We're going to have to choose to be people who stand up for those who are oppressed, who stand up against injustices. If we'll do that, then we'll see this happen. God's going to lead us forward. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's unfamiliar territory. I know that we're afraid. But he says, then he'll do it and he'll protect us as we step into it. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is all of these things can change in our world if we will submit to his leading on these issues. So will we be open? Is this really what we want? To to discover the beauty that God has across dividing lines? A community healed? A nation healed? Or are we just okay with it being divided. Personally, I'm tired of the division, and I've been heartbroken by what I see. Isaiah continues and says, the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. Man, that sounds so good. I I, I don't know about you, but in this season, there are so many people who have been confessing they are exhausted. They are dry They're leaning into their relationship with God, but the things that they're seeing on the news and on social media and what's happening around our world, the injustices that are coming to light, they feel dry and they are in need of being restored. But if we'll lean into this, we'll find that. He says, you'll be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. And there are people who are thirsty. They are in need of this right here, a time of refreshing. With repentant people, Hearts get changed and societal injustices will be corrected. We will be a church and a people that refreshes those in our community. It may cost us our preferences. It may cost us our ambitions, our time, our treasure, our talent, our influence. It will cost us to love God with all of us and all of ourselves and to love others as ourselves. It will cost. But what's on the other side of these dividing lines is beauty. That beauty will be a gift to all who experience it. He goes on to say, some of you will rebuild. Listen, I know that as I'm talking today, some of you may have already tuned out. Some of you may have already said, this is not for me. Some of you have already said, man, Aaron's lost it. He, he's, this, is, this is not for me. Some of you are hearing it and you're like, okay, what's next? What do I do now? But Isaiah is saying to those of you who are leaning in, that some of you, Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you'll be known as rebuilders of walls and a restorer of homes. Some of you, some of you, there's a unique calling on your life to step into this space. God's going to give you influence, or maybe you already have it. God's going to give you favor, or maybe you already have it. God's going to, maybe you're a, a wealth, a person of wealth, or maybe you're a person that's in a business and you have the ability to influence uh, your, the, the people in your business, or maybe you're a community leader, maybe you're a teacher in the community, maybe you're a pastor, maybe this, this message is being shared with an entire church outside of Simple Church. I don't know, but I know there is a special blessing that some of you We'll lean into this and God will add his strength and his power to it and you will step in 
to these spaces. You will fight systemic, systemic injustices. You will fight affordable housing issues. You will fight oppression of people groups. You will be an agent of change. And even though it feels overwhelming because these are huge systems, systems are run by people and that means systems can change as people's hearts change. And you can be called to be a person that changes people's hearts. Entire cities can change. Entire nations can change as people accept personal responsibility to allow God to work in them and through them. The last part of this verse, as you read through Isaiah 58, 12, it probably seems out of place as you read it because here Isaiah is reprimanding them on how they've chosen to worship God, saying that's not what God is all about. If you really want to worship him, you need to do these things. And he gives them a work and he encourages them and says, some of you are going to be blessed as you go. And then he says this, keep the Sabbath day holy. It seems out of place, but it's not. In fact, he says, don't pursue your own interest on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. You know, the Sabbath was intended to be one of those days that you celebrated. Like you have a festival on that day, a feast. It's a celebration of God and his provision. And he goes on and he finishes and he says, then the Lord will be your delight. The Sabbath, or resting, taking a day off, is a key component to this work. That as God calls you to it, he wants you to also be, he wants you to be intentional about fighting injustices, freeing people from their chains and lightening their burdens. He's all about it, but he wants you to remember to rest because God also cares about you. And God wants to teach you to trust him through this season. Because some of us, we get so caught up in our causes that we work and we burn out. We not only injure ourselves, but our families, our personal health. And God says, I want you taken care of and I want you to trust me. He wants you to trust him that he can do more in six days than you can possibly do in seven. He wants you to declare your dependence on him and make sure that you rest. Every call to labor that God gives through scripture, he also has a call to rest to be still and see what he'll do when you'll trust him that way. This is his way of doing things, and we have to get on board. So as a wrap-up, let me, let me just quickly summarize. Here's what I feel like we can do as a church. If you're looking for super, super practical, not just as a church, but as individuals, and know that I'm, I'm walking through this just like you, okay? But there's a practical path for healing, or the practical path for us becoming a church that will refresh and change an entire community, city, nation, we can be part of this. First, we need to acknowledge the error of our ways, that we've been silent for too long. Maybe we've been scared to step into this space. Maybe you've stepped into this space before, and, and maybe you got hurt. Maybe, maybe, maybe something happened that made you pull back from doing it. But wherever, wherever the Lord is speaking to you and saying, we're, you're, we're off a little bit. Last week, I encouraged you to search your heart. If you've been doing that, I know that God is is, is helping you see the things that you can't see, but whatever he's showing you, whatever you're seeing, just acknowledge it. Just, just acknowledge it. The second thing is to repent from it. Repentance means once we see what God reveals to us, we systematically redesign our lives, restructure it so that we can go a different way. And we need to repent and turn in the direction that God is leading us to go. We need to change, make a plan for restructuring. It means, means aligning ourselves with God's priorities, telling somebody else about what we're gonna do. This is what repentance is made up of. And trust me, it is the goodness of God that leads us to this place where we get to repent. 
The third thing we need to do is embrace God. Last week I said we need to look to God and look to others. We need to love God with all of ourselves and we need to love our neighbors as ourselves. Embrace the spirit of neighborliness. We can't do only one half of that command. We can't love God with all of our heart because if you love God with all of your heart, you're gonna love the people that he loves the way that he loves them. So we need to embrace this. We need to embrace that there are dividing lines here and that we need to step across them so we can embrace our fellow man. The fourth thing we need to do is to engage. To engage. Now listen, before you become active in this world of, of fighting systemic injustices, of fighting the, the oppression that exists, educate yourself. Educate yourself. There are a number of books that you can read. I have a list of books that I would love to give you. Uh, there are documentaries. There are, are people and voices that you can lean into and listen to. So, so get educated first. As God is turning your heart, lean into to, uh, uh, to the voices that already exist, and then you can engage. Then begin to seek to step into the conversation. Begin to seek the work and engage. And then last part, rest. Man, trust God. Uh, allow God to, to work out one, steps one, two, three, and four in your life, but remember to be kind to yourself and rest in this process, demonstrating how much you're trusting God as you walk through it. Listen, Isaiah's message shows us that God cares more about what we do with our lives than what we say with our mouths. And my prayer today is that our lives speak louder than our mouths do. That we would accept personal responsibility to discover the beauty of God across dividing lines. Let's pray. Father, today I pray that, that as a church, as we walk out these next couple weeks, that we would just get comfortable with the discomfort. Lord, search our hearts. Help us humbly to acknowledge uh, where we've missed the mark. Lord, give us wisdom as we seek to systemically or systematically restructure our lives to build in accountability into our plans to go a different way. And that way is your way. Help us to embrace all of you. Help us to embrace all those that you love. And that is all of humanity. Lord, as we seek to educate ourselves, we pray that you point us into the direction of the right books to read, of the right voices to listen to, God, and as we do so, I pray that we would do that with a humble heart, that we would remain teachable and open to others' experiences that are not our own as we lean in. And then, God, I, I, allow, I pray that you allow us to engage in some way. Lord, help us to upend the injustices in this world. Help us to be a part of it. And as we do, help us to rest as well, to be wise in how we, we work and the way that we trust you, Lord. Help us to trust you more. Now, if you're here today, one of the, the whole reasons that we have a church service and we gather as a church is for those of you that would identify, hey, you are here and you are far from God. And I need you to understand something. God loves you very much. This church loves you very much. My prayer is, is that as we are leaning into this subject and allowing God to search our hearts, that right now you'd allow God to search your heart. That, that, that if, if you're listening you'll hear that your heart longs and desires to be connected with the one who created you. And if you hear that today, if you hear that longing, know that God's not mad at you. He loves you. He's here to welcome you with arms wide open, and so are we as a church. All of this is for you today. 
So today, if you're ready to have your life connected with the one who loves your life so much, pray this prayer with me. Surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Allow him to lead you and guide you into God's ways of doing things. Allow him to forgive your sins and deal with your past. Allow him to make you brand new. Give you a full and fulfilled life here on earth and eternity in heaven, celebrating and enjoying his presence. If you're ready for that, we're going to pray a prayer today. If you're in our online campus, there's a little button in the chat that says, I'm raising my hand. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Won't you click that button? Won't you pray this prayer with us? I want you to let us know now. Say, Jesus, I need you. Fill me with your spirit. Forgive me of my sins. And make me brand new. Show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed this prayer today, heaven's having a party. Simple Church is having a party. We are celebrating you and your decision to uh, get connected with your Heavenly Father. Now, here's the thing. You've taken a huge step today. Take the next one. Fill out a connection card here. If you're in our online campus, you'll see a button for a connect card. If you're watching on YouTube, go to the link, uh, the description, and uh, there's a link in there that says connect card. Fill that out. Help, let us help you take your next steps in your spiritual journey. You need to be part of a church, whether it's this one or not. We don't care. We'd love to get you connected to a church in your area if you're unable to join us in person or you can continue to join us online as well. But we would love to be part of your spiritual journey, help you know what's next. You're not meant to do it alone. So fill out that connect card and let us celebrate with you. Amen, everybody. All right, a couple things I want to make sure I share with you before we wrap up today. First, uh, if you are prepared to give of your tithes and your offerings, there are digital ways to do that. Uh, you can give uh, through our app. You can give through our website, text to give. You can even snail mail it in. All those options are there on the screen in front of you. We thank you for your continued generosity. You are making a difference across the world in ways uh, that you cannot imagine. It's been so, so life-giving, uh, your generosity, specifically through this pandemic. We thank you for that uh, and your faithfulness to that. Uh, also, one last thing I uh, want to let you know about is that uh, September 26th, that's Saturday, that's this coming Saturday, we are going to be gathering at the park. This will be our first in-person gathering uh, since the pandemic began, and we'll be gathered at Huber Park in Reynoldsburg from 6 to 7 p.m. Please bring your own chair or your own blanket to sit on. Uh, the city is requiring that we wear masks, not just from our car to our seats, but the entire time that we are there. Uh, the Ohio Health Department has passed down new regulations and that is what they're asking of us. So we must wear a mask at all time, but we are gonna be celebrating together. Uh, please come and join us. We're gonna be singing. We're gonna take communion together. We're going to do baptisms, child dedications. We are going to have an incredible time. We also have social distancing plans uh, in place so that, that uh, you can identify um, through a, a, a colored necklace that you can put on, whether you're open for hugs or you'd like people to keep your distance. We have a plan so that all of us can participate. We would love to see you there. That's this Saturday, September 26th from 6 to 7 p.m. at Huber Park. If you'd like to get baptized or you'd like to have your child dedicated, make sure you click the link that's being shared in the, uh, in the comment section or the chat section right now and uh, make sure you register. If you're not getting baptized, you don't need to register. If you're not having a child dedicated, you don't need to click the link. You can just show up. And guess what? When it's all over, we've got an ice cream truck that's going to roll up. Ice cream is on us. So 
please make sure you come out. It's going to be an incredible time. And also, man, I want to encourage you, get into a watch party. If you're sitting in a watch party right now, you know already that the fellowship and the encouragement and worshiping together is a powerful thing. Watch parties are a way for you to gather with other believers on Sunday mornings at 10, 12, or 6 p.m. and watch the service together safely uh, with, with um, uh, safe numbers. And some of them are wearing masks. Others are not. But listen, those watch parties are for you. Uh, and it, so I encourage you to be, be part of one, whether you host one or join one. You can also click one of the links that's being shared in the chat now as well. Hey, listen, that's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you so much for hanging in with us for week two of neighborliness. We've got a couple more weeks of this. Make sure that you come back next week for part three of neighborliness. God bless you guys. Love you.